You're listening to the Build Assets Online Podcast. Learn how you You. can build a diverse and sustainable income online from two brothers who actually do it. Now, here are your hosts, Mike and Joe. Welcome back, everyone. Joe and Mike here again. BuildAssetsOnline.com. BuildAssetsOnline.com TV. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a different stream. We're going to be talking about Dave Ramsey and whether his advice is legit, not legit. Is it going to help you you know, get to where you want to be financially? Is it going to help you get to financial freedom? Uh, my wife is, uh, for some reason, obsessed with Dave Ramsey. I don't know why. Like, She can't go a day without watching like multiple clips on YouTube. So I'm very, very familiar with his advice. Um, So what we're going to do, the format is I basically um, curated 12 pieces of advice that Dave Ramsey gives. And um, yeah, and we're going to, Mike and I are going to agree, disagree, discuss. And so Mike, I don't know, Mike, at this point, how much do you know about Dave Ramsey? I feel like you know more than last time we talked about him, but what's, what's your level at? I went from about zero hours of Dave Ramsey content to about 45 minutes. So, so yeah, I got it. I got it all. You got the picture. I think that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we'll see how much I know and don't know. Yeah. So let's uh, check who's checking. So, I mean, did we explain who Dave Ramsey is kind of what he's about as a, uh, well, obviously, most people know Dave Ramsey as like a financial guru, a financial coach, one of the more popular ones. He's on AM radio. Some might consider him a uh, conservative talk show host in a way. His show is kind of a mix of like those things. I feel like conservative talk radio and like financial stuff and relationship stuff and like career stuff all merged into one. Uh, that's That's the best way I can characterize it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've ever seen a Dave Ramsey clip, basically people just ask him questions. Is that the majority of the show, Joe? People just ask him questions about, I'm in this financial situation, Dave. I got two kids. I got $100,000 of debt. What do I do? And then he basically just says the same sort of financial steps over and over, which I'm, I'm assuming we'll, we'll cover in this video. So am I, am I right in that? That's pretty accurate. Yeah. So he has these things called the baby steps. Um, Maybe we should just – well, let's not recap those. I feel like it's out of the scope of this episode. Maybe we will recap it later. Um, but maybe we should recap the baby steps. Uh, can you pull them up? I don't know. Can you pull so them up we'll, real quick? Well, listen, we got we – got, here we follow what's called baby steps. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I know Mike is poking fun at Dave. Uh, you know, this, this, is, <laughs> this is strictly Dave's – You know, we're going to be okay. ch- challenging or agreeing with Dave's ideas, not him as a – individual although we may still poke fun it's all in good it's all in good in good faith though i like i like dave Ramsey I, I like him yeah anyway. i like him okay step one save a thousand dollars in a beginner emergency fund step two pay off all debt except for the house step three save three to six months of expenses for emergencies uh step four Invest 15% of your income for retirement. Step five, save for college for your children. Step six, pay off the house. Uh, step seven, build wealth and give. 
Okay. So there you have it. That's that's the basic uh, the basic philosophy. And what I'm going to do is I, I wrote again. I wrote down twelve or thirteen things, and we're going to go through them. And I'm actually going to write them on the screen. I'm just going to copy and paste them here. So if you're watching on video, you should be able to uh, to see that. I'm just going to move things around a little bit. All right, let's move the logo. Okay. So Mike, the first point is if you have debt. You should get out of it aggressively. You should work 80 plus hours a week, multiple jobs, do whatever it takes, get out of debt as fast as possible. Agree or disagree? So I think it's important here to clarify the definition of debt that they're referring to. So there's obviously like personal debt and then there's business debt. But, you know, as Robert Kiyosaki says, there's there's good debt and bad debt, right? So a lot of um, personal debt, could be deemed as bad debt because it's money that you owe that you have to give to someone else, but you're not bringing back anything in return versus say, if you have like a rental property and you have a mortgage on that property, that's debt, but that's technically considered good debt because it's bringing in more money than it is costing you to pay off that debt. Right? So I wouldn't say that if you have good debt, in that you have a business loan uh, or you know something that's making you more money than you have to pay monthly for that debt, that you have to go balls to the walls and try and pay that off. I disagree with that. But if I had like student loans that were crazy or I had credit card bills or something like that, that was just purely a liability. I needed to pay that money back. It's not doing anything for me. Yeah, I would be working incessantly to pay that off because it's only going to build and build and build. And so any interest payment that you incur through debt like that because you're not paying it off on time or you're just allowing it to sit there is just, yeah, it's ruining your life. Yeah. I actually feel I'm more toward Dave's side on this. I, I do get wary of like, uh, the biz, you know, having too much business debt, having too many mortgages on rental properties. You know, I do feel like that can be a recipe recipe for a disaster if you get too aggressive with it. You know, especially if there's a big economic event, you know, you got to kick renters out uh, or whatever. The renters can't pay the rent. You know, I do feel like you should be very, very conservative with debt that you take. If you do take debt, you know, for example, I have some a very low mortgage on one of my rental properties. Um, I'm not in a rush to pay it off because I'd rather use that money towards other things, but I can pay it off at any time. Um, and I feel I feel good knowing that I can pay it off at any time. I have the cash to do so, but I'm just using that cash a bit elsewhere right now, although I will pay it off probably pretty soon. But yeah, no, I more towards Dave's side on this where you have to be very, very careful taking on a lot of debt. Um, unless you're, I would say, I don't know, like very, very, you're doing it in a very, very sophisticated way where you're not taking on personal liability, but that's a whole different thing. I think for the average individual, you should be very careful about um, taking on a lot of debt and you should be paying it off aggressively. Like you said, if it is credit cards, student loans, just stuff that's not making you any money, you should got to get rid of that as, as quick as possible if you want to get to financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're also in agreement that, you know, like you said, you have rental, you have rental income. And then, so that's, that's debt that you have for that mortgage. And so you're not you're not immediately paying that off. You're kind of dealing with that for now because it's making you uh, a positive return. So yeah, but, um, anything yeah. that's making you a positive return, 
obviously, yeah, there's, you know, you don't want to be too over leveraged, right? I'm, I'm not a big fan of that myself, but there is, there is a time and place for it. I mean, would you say that we have debt because we have credit cards that we pay at the end well, of the month? Well, let's, let's not use the C word yet. We're going to talk about that later. Okay. Cause that's, right. that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things that we need to talk about. All right. So let's, let's move to the next point that I have is that you should use a budgeting app and basically live on a very, very carefully planned uh, budget. Agree or disagree? Disagree. I disagree also. Why do you disagree? I disagree because I don't like falling into the paradigm of you're on a fixed income and there's nothing you can do to up that income. So you're forced to confine yourself to a, a budget where you can save some on the side. And do you get what I'm saying? I would rather focus my time on building up my cash flow so that I can not be constrained by a particular budget. I have to spend $2,000 a month or whatever. That's how I feel. Yeah. My issue with it is this, um, kind of in this, in, in the same vein of what you're saying that budgeting takes so much time that like, I would rather spend that time working on growing more passive income than budgeting for every cent. It doesn't mean you don't, you don't, you shouldn't be mindful of what you're spending and you shouldn't be saving and doing all that. But, um, I feel that budgeting for maybe, maybe it is useful for some people. Cause I feel like some people just don't have a, you know, a concept of, of what they're doing, but if maybe maybe it's good to budget for a few months just to kind of get a feel for where things are if you are struggling financially or you just can't grasp how much you're spending but yeah i agree with mike that it's better to focus on upping your passive income and upping your uh your assets to sell yeah and this is a lot of my problem with dave ramsey is that he doesn't seem to distinguish between you know i don't know how old he is but times are much different now you and I, Joe, we don't have to work traditional do jobs anymore because we just sit on our computer and we I don't know what we do, and then money comes out the other end, and it's a repeatable process. So our time has been very, very farly separated from you know, the way that we make money, right? Yeah. Passive income. Yeah. So you know, this wasn't the case 10 years ago, 20 years ago even. So Dave Ramsey is typically speaking towards the traditional – nine to five type of employee. But for us, for anyone listening to this, you have so many more options rather than having to force yourself into a budget. You can't go out and buy a cup of coffee because you got to hit your budget. Like all these little nitpicky things, you're not going to become rich anytime soon by having to penny pinch. It's much, much more valuable to invest your time into learning things that can make you an extra thousand dollars a month or $2,000 a month. Yeah. And I mean, I don't endorse going out and buying a cup of coffee all the time, you know, especially if I you're do. struggling. However, however, if it's going to enable you to focus on, on growing your income, you know, beyond the $2 or $3 a day you're spending, if it's going to enable you to do that, then by all means do it. And that's, I want to, I'm kind of going out of order here, but this is a very important um, point next, Mike, is that Dave always quotes this millionaire study. Um, and apparently his let me see if I can fit this on the screen. Okay, his company did a uh, a study 
and they looked at like 10,000 millionaires or something with people with a million dollar net worth. And if you go to their website and you read, I took this off their website this morning, it says that the average amount of time, um, basically the average millionaire in the 10, in the 10,000 person study worked 28 years before hitting the $1 million net worth mark. So, uh, I mean, shoot me now. Like, I, I don't want to, to do that. Like, I, there has to be another way. Because if I got to work 28 years just to hit a million dollars in, in net worth and then be financially free, um, then it's not, to me, like, I don't know. All, all that penny pinching and all that budgeting, like, that's not really the life that I would want. Because then, you know, 28 years, maybe you start... Maybe you're like 60 then. How much quality of life do you have yeah. left? Yeah. And as our dad says, you know, you can't even buy $500,000 with a million dollars. And so <laughs> to to spend so long, I mean, I, I don't want to sound um, brash when I say this, but I don't think a million dollars is that much, especially in the scope of, of 28 years. If you're going to make a million dollars in a year, yeah, that's that's a Impressive. That's a lot of money to have in one year, but that it's just, I, th I think that that's frankly not a very good return to get $1 million after that's you're, you're nearly retired at that point. If you've worked 28 years versus, I mean, Joe, we outlined this um, in the online asset playbook free class. I've, I've made videos about this. I think we've made videos about this together, how you can accumulate a million dollars in your portfolio doing everything we talk about, doing e-commerce, doing the content sites, yeah. doing Kindle. I mean, we we showed last month, two months ago, we sold a Kindle site for over $300,000. That's almost a third of the way there, a third of the way there just in one day. And how much time right. did we spend on that on that Kindle, that Kindle business? What, like two hours a month between the two of us? Like, Yeah, exactly. So it's just the, the times have changed. It's not about having to, to penny pinch and just throw, you know, this little bit into savings and into 401k, whatever, that's all good that you can do that. But, um, you know, I think it goes back to the book millionaire fast lane. It's like, we have this opportunity now to just make a lot of money really, really quickly. If you devote as much of your time as possible to learning these skills and implementing them and doing something that at the end of the day you can sell. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So this one, I feel like I'm going out of order here. Uh, but here style. let's, let's talk about this one. So Dave says that, uh, I, I actually heard him say this on a call the other day that my wife was listening to. Um, he basically to summarize it, he says that work is essential for like spiritual health and mental well-being. Um, specifically, specifically working with a team of like people, like trying to meet your collective goals. And Dave actually, the guy was proposing to him. He's like, Dave, you know, I am getting a new job or I have this opportunity to get a new job. It was like 10 or $20,000 more than his current job, but it was work from home. And Dave was like, nah, like none of that work from home stuff. Like <laughs> you need to be like on a team like it's it's you know working with a just basically everything i hate doing 
Dave was telling this guy to take less pay <laughs> to to make sure that he's in an office and that he's doing that nine to five grind because it's basically essential for your spiritual health and mental well-being. Again, shoot me now. So when you had a job, there were definitely people in your office that embraced that uh, type of camaraderie, right? I don't even know. I feel like half of them were like dead. Like they were just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, where would they be if they were working from home? I don't know. I mean, obviously, some people thrive on the socialization of uh, being out and working, but definitely not everyone. I know I yeah, don't. Well, listen, I mean, it's a hard disagree for me. I think that's stupid that you can only derive a sense of community and, and whatever through your job. Um I mean, there's co-working spaces. If you really want to go and see people while you're working, if, you know, there's the idea of friends or, you know, other things that you can do um, outside of work. And so I get the idea that like you need, you know, you don't want to be sitting there alone all day. That's like boring. And I do believe we need a sense of community to uh, live our best life as it were. But uh, there's, just other other ways to get that sense of community instead of the work environment. Yeah, I mean, Dave is a Christian man. He's a spiritual man. Why would you want to put yourself in a situation, you know, and, and obviously family is very important to those, you know, in that in that worldview. Why would you want to put yourself in a situation where you're spending most of your waking life away from your family? You're spending it in an office or in a, a warehouse or a factory doing something that yeah. you probably don't care about. And to be honest, most of the jobs in modern society today, like I feel like you, it's really difficult to draw like, uh, I don't know, like deep satisfaction from them. Like I remember when I worked for, I mean, I'm sure was there at your old jobs. Like I know for my old jobs working for, for a food company, like I just thought everything we did was so stupid. There was no way I was going to, uh, get, any sort of satisfaction like from that, like putting packaged food on a shelf. Like it just, it just made no sense. Like to me, it, like the whole, the whole operation was just like, or at least 90% of it was like a big waste of time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I was a kid, like rolling burritos and doing dishes that I, I actually did feel some satisfaction from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, like my, my corporate job, absolutely not. Like what? Yeah. You're not doing anything you're not doing the Lord's work by driving down a, a forklift for Coca-Cola, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Like why wouldn't you want to be spending more time with your family? And you know, there's plenty of, you, if you go play soccer, whatever, go join a soccer league, you know, we do jujitsu. That's plenty of, uh, you know, community interaction, camaraderie, whatever you want. There's plenty of other ways to seek that out these days. Yeah. Well said. Okay. Um, so that, that, that brings me to this next point. I feel like, pe like, all right, all right, guys, I feel like I was looking at the live chat. People are just talking about drop shipping. Can we do a different episode here? Do you guys just want to hear us talk about drop shipping 20? People just want drop shipping. All right. Let's, let's, all right. Let's change, change. Course what does Dave right Ramsey have to say about drop shipping? We're going to, we're going to get to that. There will be a bit, I, okay. I'm kind of saving it towards the end. Um, okay. But we are gonna get. We're gonna. We're gonna People are just bloodthirsty for drop shipping. Yeah, 
as much as we've as we've done to talk about other things, Joe, our Kindle video where we talk about how we sold our Kindle business for like over three hundred thousand dollars gets like no views. We do a dropshipping video, it gets double the views. I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's just again, we, like we talk about, it's it's one piece of the overall puzzle. This this financial stuff is actually just as important because what we're talking about now is really the groundwork for how we design our businesses and why we would even do drop shipping in the first place. Um, yeah. So anyway, Dave kind of has this, this principle and I don't have to get into the whole thing, but money is like a biblical thing and there's biblical principles to this, <coughs> these, uh, these notes, these digital notes that we trade in. And, uh, Can you elaborate on that. Um, just basically when he talks about money, he like one, one thing he always says is like, the borrower is slave to the lender, like verse something, something, something like, you know, whatever, uh -huh. whatever the book, I don't know, whatever that is, but yeah, it, it basically money is something that's in a way he seems to have it like spiritually charged. And, uh, I don't know. I, I don't agree with it. I kind of view it as more, it, it just is what it is. I mean, we have this weird society and weird economy and this digital currency is just a part of it. Like I don't, like I think it could be another way, like hypothetically speaking, and we don't have to assign like a spiritual value to money, if that makes sense. Yeah, although I'm gonna agree with Dave here. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of the the ideas of money as they are as as they've been evolved now today did come from. Um, I don't. Know, I think there's a lot of spiritual stuff to it. I mean, you you go look at the bills. It says in God we trust. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. I mean, I've also read this book, Richest Man in Babylon. It's like a financial book, but it goes back to I I don't know. I forgot like the origins of the book, but it's supposedly like really old financial principles from uh, yeah, like old civilizations, and but. It seems like he's using all that to say, don't be the debt holder because then you're a slave. Yeah. Is that what he's getting at with yeah, that? Yeah, he does. He does illustrate that point using biblical principles a lot. And I just, I guess just given the way that money works in our society, I feel like you have to kind of be aware of it and, and play the game in a way. So like big corporations yeah. like are always borrowing money and like leveraging and people are getting rich doing that stuff. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no denying that. And I'm not saying that you, I, I don't know why he, I don't know why he doesn't acknowledge that because that's, that's what I was going to say, Joe. It's like you can use, I don't think using spirituality as like a argument to not be a, a debt holder. Like, I don't think it really, Holds up. I, I mean, I, I view money as like a kind of spiritual thing, but yeah, you can't ignore the fact that there's plenty of people that take out business loans and do well. Yeah. I mean, not, not to mention the fact that, I mean, just given the way the financial system works, the banks take loans from the central bank at a low interest rate and loan it out to other companies. And so when you have such a, a flow of, uh, like, I don't want to say like the word is like free money or whatever, but when you have money flowing in that way, I feel like it's, it's, it's important to understand like 
how it's working and that people, like you said, people are making money off of borrowing and lending money. And that's just the way the system is, is set up. And I feel like it, I guess it drives it further from the, uh, the biblical principles in a way. Yeah. Like you said, it's just a tool. So if you have a way to, you know, it, it's a tool that has risks and it has rewards. So if you have the ability to use it as, as a tool with minimal risk and a lot of upside, for example, like if there's no, you know, personal guarantee on a loan or something, then yeah, I mean, why not use things to your advantage? You can't just write something off because of like a, a biblical quote. Yeah, especially especially if that's the system you like live in. It's it will be different if you're more going against the rules, but in this way, like you're just you're just playing with the rules. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway. I don't know if that was a good uh, – holy holy crap, the viewers are dropping like – I know we started talking shit about dropshipping. Everyone just tanked. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good. You were right. You thought – I was like, man, this episode is going <laughs> to – Yeah, I said, I don't, I don't know, Joe. This one isn't about dropshipping. People aren't going to like it. I thought this one was going to hit hard. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see how the Spotify viewers like it. We're on plenty of other syndicated networks as well. So thank you for, thank you for joining us on alternative platforms, not just YouTube. Yeah, it's not always about the YouTube people, Joe. No, I agree, it's not. Um, so, this is kind of off of the budgeting, <laughs> the budgeting part. But Dave has something called an envelope system, where how do you spell envelope? I don't know how to spell envelope. Anyway, <laughs> basically, every month as part of your budgeting, you should put all your cash into an envelope, and each env like or sorry, each envelope is like dedicated to what you're going to spend it on. So you, so you have a hundred dollars for gas, $300 for groceries, and it's all in these different envelopes. And that's how you have to spend your money every month. Again, just like the budgeting, I feel like, you know, this kind of equates to like, if you're an alcoholic or like you have trouble with substances or alcohol or something, please don't have a glass of wine. But if you don't have that issue and like a glass of wine brings you like a lot of enjoyment like then then go ahead and have it but it's just like this envelope system would just take so much time to implement and i feel like it's only useful to the person that has like really really um like bad habits yeah, like, that they need to correct i'm like triggered by that because <laughs> i feel like it's so dumb it's as i i feel like degraded it's like <laughs> yeah. someone told me to do that you know yeah all right, I got to put this here because I'm not responsible enough to, you know, spend the right amount on groceries. Or I'm not responsible enough to do that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like you said, Joe. It's like if you have a, a drug problem or something, nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. Give the people some some uh, some credit of intelligence or sensibility or, or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a good maybe it's a good stepping stone if you are in a situation where you you feel some people i mean i mean the truth is you know, yeah there should there should be like a like a alcohol anonymous for people that have you know problems with spending money well i think that's what a lot of dave's audience is in a way because a lot of them do um have trouble but the issue that the issue that i take with with his show at least is because is is that like there's no differentiation between the best analogy I can use is between having being able to have a glass of wine and being an alcoholic, like yeah. almost 
everyone is an alcoholic. Dave says he still budgeted. He, he still budgets. And he has like $300 million or something. I kind of doubt he does it. I don't know. I kind of doubt he's spending his time with the envelopes. Yeah, no. How could he do that? <laughs> does he envelope for his business? I mean, I can imagine what his business expenses are. He has a very nice studio. He must have well, he nice amount buildings, of buildings, buildings and huge commercial lots. Like he has. Okay. Very- so you got the envelope, this building, this employee, this employee, get out of here. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the issue I have with the show is I feel like there's no uh, differentiation between like people that are in the beginning phases of understanding money and then, you know, going above that because yeah, I mean, a lot of people, maybe they were just given a credit card and just, and just didn't read like, Oh, let me just, they don't realize what they're doing. But once you can figure that out, um, there's, there's, there's more to it than that. Um, okay. So Mike, let's, let's get to the, the drop shipping, uh, related example. So tell your friends, we're talking about drop shipping for a second. Drop shipping, drop shipping, drop shipping. Okay. So (laughs) Mike, and this is the clip I sent you like maybe like a couple months ago at this point. Um, this individual called Dave and I think it was a drop shipping business, but he basically said he was in a situation where, um, he was using a credit card. He was like, Dave, I, you know, I love your stuff and I like to follow your guidance, but, um, I have to admit, like I use a credit card for this specific thing and I, I want, I can't understand why it's bad. And so basically what this person did is it was kind of like drop shipping. He had clients that he got orders from and when he got the orders from those clients he would turn around and pay to fulfill those orders with a credit card that had like travel rewards or cash rewards or whatever so he was you know able to take trips and and all that kind of stuff um now dave i don't know he didn't understand it or he was just like I don't know, but he, he was basically ac- accusing the person of going in debt to fund his business when when the guy was just taking orders that were er- that he was already getting the cash for up front, paying for those orders with a credit card so he can get some of those additional perks. And Dave was not down with it. He said he was playing with the snakes or something. something. Playing with the snakes, you're going to get bit. <laughs> you're, g- <laughs> you're dancing with the devil, son. <laughs> I wish we could play that clip because I, I actually think about that all the time. Yeah, as to how funny that was. Um, so what's the what's the prompt here? Use, oh, using credit cards is bad. Okay. I mean, this is this is a disagree across the board. Um, you know, obviously, let's just let's just give an example for the basic person. There are so many credit cards now that give even up to five percent rewards. You know, cash back, gift cards, travel rewards on things like groceries, and you can get like you know, for everyday person, like I think for some, some of the 5% stuff, you can get like $500 a month, like just back from growth. I mean, well, whatever, even if you get a couple hundred dollars a month in rewards or cash back, you invest that, you know, and get that compound interest over time. You're talking about a lot of money, a lot of money. And the higher your business expenses are, you know, the higher your, as long as you're not using the credit card, as long as you're using the credit card to pay for stuff that you've already secured, you know, or that you're, you have to pay for anyway for your business. There is absolutely zero reason why it's bad. Yeah. You don't have to have a credit card and accumulate interest. 
No. Two completely different things. But a credit card will give you additional perks. So, yeah, the fact that you can't acknowledge that, and I, I don't know why he couldn't understand that you could buy something on a credit card and then immediately pay it off. Uh, I mean, but that's that's really the key with dropshipping, and that's why dropshipping just is so incredible, and I don't think we could ever stop. It's just because of, of that ability. Like, your biggest – all of your expenses, you can use a credit card to – to purchase them and so the, joe there's even there's like american express cards that um do like a 4x return on ad spend yeah and i mean as you build up your store you're doing five figures you know six figures a year pretty easily on just advertising expenses so that's uh you know just do the math there yeah and mike i mean uh, Let's not even not even that, but like he advised using using like a debit card for like online stuff. But like, what about like the protection? Like the protection on credit cards is so much better than on debit cards. And I don't know. I feel like if you get, don't quote me on this because I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I feel like if someone takes your debit card and they get your pin, like you're in trouble. <laughs> Sorry, can't say that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what's good? I don't know. If I go to the ATM, all I do is put the card in. I put in the pin. We we actually went when we went when we went to the bank the other day. The guy was like, "Oh, do you guys want a debit card?" I was like, "No, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want one." Yeah, they're dangerous. That's playing with snakes. Someone gets your debit card pin. They they got the keys to the castle right there. <laughs> keys to Solomon's temple. Yeah, credit card. You could just. It's not. It's just credit. So you just say no. This this isn't me, and then you get your money back. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's let's move on to some of the other things. I mean, so okay, you should be combining your your finances one hundred percent with your spouse because you guys are a team. Um, you should not have separate finances. You know, you shouldn't have separate bank accounts. Dave gets a lot of calls where one of the spouses is you know doing runaway spending and then they can't get on the same page. So Dave advises that. You, know, you need to be combining your finances 100% with your spouse and that you're a team um, in your in your financial quest. What do you think? I, I agree with this. I think uh, – yeah, I mean I think it's just not good if you have one person that is spending way more than the other and you don't – you know, there's no transparency as to what's going on. I feel like you have to be able to have a – open conversations about about money and uh, be able to be on the same page. I feel like there's no there's no way around that. I mean, Dave always says like, you know, divorces and a lot, a lot the majority of divorces are from money or because of financial issues. So, I feel like it's a given that you should have that uh that settled out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, if you're married, then technically your assets are kind of merged together anyway, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it doesn't make sense to uh, – yeah, at that point, you're kind of one uh, financial unit, so you got to operate as such. Yeah. So on, on that note, he says you should never combine finances with someone you're not married to because you're, ju you're just paying house. You're just, Sorry, you're just playing house. Um, now, I kind of disagree with this because my wife and I had a – before we were married, we had like a joint bank account and everything and, you know – Although our assets weren't combined, we definitely like put stuff into the same bank account that we would use for, uh, I don't know, stuff that we would do. 
I guess, or stuff that we'd have to buy together. We would each contribute the same amount. So I don't see that. It's a good, it's a good, uh, testing, you know, way to Sometimes test. You got to play house first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good way to test things out. So, uh, I mean, I, I could see, you gotta be careful getting too, you know, entangled, I guess, but, um, you know, especially if someone you've just been going out with for like three months, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, that that's stupid. But yeah, if you're in a long term relationship with someone, there's no, nothing wrong with, yeah, at least trying out, you know, the ability to see if you guys can be on the same page financially, because otherwise, like Dave said, it's a higher likelihood to end in divorce. So, why bother merging your assets with someone that you don't even know? You gotta, you know, you don't even know them financially. Yeah, what happens? Like, so you're dating, and then one of you have a joint bank account, <sighs> and my my wife goes, "Oh, I just spent a hundred dollars on shoes, or something," <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, we had this saved for our vacation together?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. and then you go to your friend, you know, at work. My wife, I don't know, she spent three hundred dollars on shoes. <laughs> now I can't buy dinner. <laughs> Yeah. All right. This this is a dead stream, but is it? I don't Should know. we close it out? We're going back up, Joe. Should you know we usually hit our peak around the fifty minute mark. Should we get to the chats? See what people have to say in the chats. Well, do we have any more? I want. I'm having fun. All right. That's all that matters. All right. Um. So in this study, he says the top five. Uh, in that millionaire study that I talked about before, um, he talks about the top five millionaire uh or top five careers to get to that. Uh, 28 year millionaire mark, uh, engineer, accountant, CPA, teacher, m management, or attorney. Um, you're an engineer, Mike. What do you think about these career choices? Uh, you could probably become a millionaire in 28 years as an engineer. Yeah, I, th I think that the the error here is that if you want to achieve financial freedom quickly. Uh, you have to have like some sort of equity in something like you can be an engineer. That's great, but you better own a percentage in whatever you're working on, or you better have a track to be making a substantial, substantial amount of money per year, like with a salary. But yeah. I mean the, um, you know, the university I went to got a huge donation from a previous engineering student. I think he donated like a hundred million dollars. And it wasn't because he was doing the baby steps. It was because he started a bunch of businesses and made a lot of money. So was he was he playing in the snake pit with debt? It's probably likely. And you know, I think if I've always I've always thought about this, like if I continue doing engineering and I wanted to actually like start an engineering type of business, the amount of capital that that would have taken to have some sort of, you know, whether it's manufacturing or what have you, it requires so many people that have, that need to be paid well because they have expertise, really expensive machinery. Like how could you possibly do that without some sort of debt? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how you could do it. Sure. Um, I, any, I feel like regardless of what these careers are, like, you know, if you're, meanwhile, a meanwhile, we made a site about, Friggin' uh, skiing a couple years ago. You made it in about a week, and we sold it for like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, 
Now that's that's I feel like to me those are the real baby steps. Is that you basically start getting little little bits of equity in businesses that you could sell, and then you just build that up over time. I feel like that's the quickest uh, that's the quickest path. Yeah, equity is the most powerful thing that we have right now, and that's what people dream to come to this country because of the ability to actually gain equity. You know, you go live in a different country. How hard it is to start a business? How you can't own land, you can't own a house. All these things are are equity. That's how you build generational wealth. That's how you actually like create an exponential growth of wealth in your own life. So to not even discuss that type of thing. I mean, he talks, he discusses equity through like home ownership and through you know like saving. I guess you know like pension, four hundred one k, whatever. But I gotta say, Joe, I never say this word, but I feel like this guy's a boomer. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> seriously, there's so many ways to create equity. Well, Mike, let me say let me say this. I mean, I do. Given the scope and the magnitude of Dave's business, I just feel that the advice that he gives to the general public, he's not. He's definitely holding out a bit, in in my opinion. You know, he's not out there being an engineer or an accountant or a CPA. You know, he's owning property. You know, because he doesn't, you know, discriminate against owning real estate and owning properties. He definitely, I mean, he definitely encourages that. So I don't want to take him yeah. out of context. Um, but I, the fact that this is listed as the top five millionaire careers um, from the from the study, I feel can send the wrong message to how wealth is built. And I feel like if I saw that, and I was saying, oh man, it's going to take me twenty eight years, and I got to do one of these things that I would just be like, Oh man, like this sucks. I, that's, that's how I thought when I was like 17, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna be an engineer because they get paid the most. I'll make the most money. That'll be my career. That, yeah. You but if I knew if I knew that there were like alternative, alternate paths and I, I understood equity better at the time, then, you know, who knows, but I would never want to be a CPA. I would never want to be half. I would never want to be an attorney. These things are like soul sucking. It's not. I'm not gaining spiritually from uh, crunching numbers for 60 hours a week or staring at legal papers. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I love our. I love our CPA, but God, I don't know. How, God bless him. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does. he's click. He's clicking on the machine, and the the receipt roll is coming out with numbers, and I don't. <laughs> I like leave, I leave there. My anxiety is like through the roof. Just, <laughs> just watching him for like three hours. I, yeah, I can't. I can't imagine it. But yeah, I mean, that's why I. I think Robert Kiyosaki has. A, I think they should do a boxing match. <laughs> you know, I think I do think you need a good a good balance between what Dave teaches and what Robert Kiyosaki um, teaches. Because on the other side of the spectrum, you have people that definitely get way too aggressive on the business side with debt when they're not experienced. You see that thing, you know, I guess the opposite of Dave Ramsey is the stuff you usually see on Shark Tank. Sharks, I I took out a second mortgage on my house and a home equity line of credit um, to make these like stupid little widgets and we have $100,000 in sales and we really need your investment. Um, That's the the other side of – yeah, you know, you're that, then you're really in the snake pit when you're doing stuff like that. So I think it's a balancing act between what Dave talks about on one on one hand and the other extreme, which is 
probably worse. I, I feel like Dave's advice is at least is at least sound. It's at least safe. And, yeah. you know, you're not going to go wrong with it. It's just that if you want to build wealth quicker and you don't want to be in an office holding a soul-sucking job, um, then it's not it's not the best path for you. Yeah, I think he just has to – I think – I can't speak because I – he's taking the view that everyone is, like, not mature enough to get nuance. Yes. Right? So he's very strict in his message. Yes. I'm sure if you actually talk with him, he can express some nuance in his opinion, but he does not want to sway away so that these people that are listening to him that are so bad with money hear him say, well, there are some times where you could have good debt and then they go and they, yeah, they take out a second mortgage on their house and they start doing stupid stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he would advise for any debt, even for anyone, but yeah, no, you're, the point is, I mean, yeah, he's not. He's not even open enough to talk about the possibility of there being like, like good- if you sat down with him and talked about that credit card thing, I feel like there's no possible way he could have the opinion he had on that show where he just freaked out and was like, yeah, totally against it. If you actually you actually got him to understand what was happening, there's just no way to. There's just there's no way within his his frame of thinking that he could deny doing that because if you can put if you can buy something on a debit card then you can buy it on a credit card and then pay it off yeah unless you're truly unreasonable um which obviously i don't think he is given where he is with his businesses but yeah no i think you're right that uh you know he tries to keep the messaging consistent which can be good for some people but again can also lead to problems Uh, you know it's not it's not it's not the best for everyone um do we have do we have any other ones? Uh, I think I have a, oh this one um I mean this is one of his things I I don't even care to even talk about this that much but he says that you should tackle your your debts this is what he calls the debt snowball I don't really have much to comment on this you should tackle your debts your debts smallest to largest don't do the biggest ones first um. Even if, uh, and this is just like a mental thing where like you get one, you get this credit card debt out of the way, you get the auto loan out of the way, you know, just depending on the size of them. That way your monthly cash flow, what you have available grows every month. Um, rather than you're trying to pay off your big debt all the, you know, month after month after month, and you're going to get discouraged because you're just having to keep the same, your bills are the same every month. Whereas if you pay off the small one, um, first, then the next smallest one, the next smallest one, you get more and more cash every month. He calls it the debt, the debt snowball. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could get, I can get down with it. I mean, technically, you can maybe save money on interest if you do it some other ways, but whatever. I don't care about sure. this that much. I agree with that. Cool. All right. Well, that's enough talking about Dave. Overall, like the guy. Think his. I think his message is very important for. You know, probably the average person who's not who's not too good with money. But again, if you're trying to get financial freedom and get it early, you have to go a little bit beyond what he talks about and what he teaches. Because even as as his millionaire study talks about the, the 10,000 everyday millionaires, uh, 28 years is not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. Well, 
my my overall ruling is boomer <laughs> should we get to the to the live chats yeah let's do it yeah you know he actually says that all like he actually uh he'll he'll make fun of people who make fun of him for that all the time he's like Dang, okay man. he's like you think dave ramsey is a boomer i got, <laughs> I got 300 million dollars in property like <laughs> He didn't do it through the envelope system. <laughs> he says right. he did. Anyway, anyway. Let's get to some of these chats. Uh, you want to put the the link on the screen, Joe, where people can hear us talk more about uh, dropshipping, among other more enticing online business procedures. Absolutely. I don't even remember what the link is anymore, Joe. What is it? Buildassetsonline.com slash playbook. That's our free class. Yeah. That's our free class right there, buildassetsonline.com. You see, you know what I did? There? Did you see what I did there? Well, you probably can't see it live. I put the HTTPS. I You're got, a boomer. I actually typed it. <laughs> <laughs> I typed it. <laughs> I actually, I, I have a vivid memory of seeing you do that once as a kid. Yeah, I know, like, I know. That's why oh, I was talking about that. Yeah, how you were in my room and I typed in, I typed in like HTTPS, like the www thing. <laughs> Yeah, I must have been like five or six or something. I mean, that means that you were like ten, typing in HTTPS. So, good. but yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I could. Uh, I get nostalgic talking about the old internet compared to how it is today. Yeah. Before the social networks came along and ruined everything, but that's a subject for another day. All right, well, let's get to some of these chats. MT first. Thank you, MT. Uh, uh, you go. Wayward says, I'm not in the elite fleet anymore, but I still grind. Keep it up, guys. Well, I'm glad you're still grinding. <laughs> um, Isaac says, no way I actually made it live. Valisha Pandey says, I know this is very off topic, but I really wanted your advice on this. I'm from India and want to start a high ticket store, but it's hard for me to get suppliers with other stuff. Now, I got to be honest, I don't know much about India. Um, but I personally, if I was in India and I spoke the like, I know India actually has a ton of languages, but if I spoke one of the languages in India and I was living there, I would probably try and replicate the business model in India. Um, I don't, I don't exactly know the logistical details of it, but you know, you, you probably have to work some things out with some suppliers or whatever, but just by using the principles we teach of, um, leveraging search, leveraging high intent paid search and high intent organic search on whatever the Indian search engines are, um, I feel like it would be the way I would do that in any country I was in. So <clears throat> I just looked up um, the India e-commerce market and it says that the market size is growing pretty rapidly. So it went from, I guess, 50 billion in 2018 to 64 billion in 2020. It's projected to go to 84, 2021. By 2025, it's projected to go to 188 million billion. So, 
it's on a pretty exponential growth trajectory. And so if there is e-commerce being performed in your particular country, then there's no reason why you can't become one of those uh, e-commerce companies. Yeah, I, I really just – everyone always seems to want to say like, oh, I want to do business in the United States because there's a lot of people there. And I just really don't agree with that. I feel like you're one person. Like how many people do you need to to build wealth? Like if you can get on the search engines and you can advertise products and rank organically for products or you know, again, you don't even have to focus on dropshipping. Like if you can rank in Indian search engines or whatever for things and, yeah, and content, sh- sites. content sites showing ads, you know. I don't know why you would put the focus on dropshipping in the USA from India when there are so many other options. That's that's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that is freeze. No. Okay. You froze for me for a second. But I got to go to the bathroom real quick. So why don't you uh, go solo for one minute? Okay. Hot garbage for life. Uh, are you guys familiar with the infinite banking concept? Uh, I've heard. I've heard that. But I feel like, I don't know, it has something to do with life insurance, right? I'm not exactly sure how it works. So I guess I'm slightly familiar with it, but not enough to uh, to speak on it. Um, now we have people talking about suppliers. How many suppliers have you contacted? I have an Australian-based store. There are many suppliers. All you need to do is get a couple of suppliers to get the ball rolling. Um, that's true. And this, this person from India, Valisha, says... It's hard for me to contact. I can't get on a call with them. And yeah, I think you should really think about going back to our previous advice about, you know, focus on the things that you can do within your home country that are logistically easy. Like even though we teach dropshipping and recommend it in a lot of circumstances, it's certainly not the be all end all for online business. I mean, there's, it's far from it. What's, what's really important about dropshipping and what makes dropshipping so good is that, uh, now I have to go to the bathroom. What makes it, <laughs> what makes it so good is that you can sell expensive things and advertise exactly where people are searching for them, which is on Google. So, you know, if you're selling, uh, lawnmowers and you're advertising on the keyword, like, fast lawnmower someone typing that might want to buy one so that's that's what's good about it but you can apply that methodology to tons of other business models or just by doing e-commerce in your own country um so were you going off of the infinite banking thing or were you talking about the supplier the supplier thing because i don't really know that much about infinite banking i know it has i i believe it has to do with like life insurance and like having it roll into light, like some, some sort of thing like that. I don't really understand it, but I think it has to do with having like a family life insurance and it goes in and then you take a loan on it. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ryan Daniel Moran talks about that, but whatever. So you got to, who were you answering here? Uh, the- yeah. I was just talking about how Valisha was saying how he, it's hard to, for him to get on the phone with suppliers. Yeah. I mean, in the USA, it shouldn't be too hard. You just don't have a big enough supplier list. Like, well, he's the Indi- the guy from India. I mean, he says he can't get on a call with them, maybe because he's in India. I don't know. Oh, uh... I told him just focus on a different business model. If you're in India, unless you have a very easy way to 
working. Well, in no, because he's saying most people, most of them don't work with overseas retailers. Well, there you have it. I mean, why? I mean, he's. You should be a. I, I'm from India, and I want to get started. I wanted to start a high ticket store, but it's hard for me to get with suppliers and other stuff. If you're gonna so be, yeah. yeah if, I just, let me just take a piss. I gotta say this, and I gotta go piss so bad. But if, you, <laughs> if you're in India you want to work in the u.s you should be a u.s based entity and have that already set up so you shouldn't be an overseas person even if you're right. in india but all right let me uh brb right. by the way dragon ball z blanket shout out dave ramsey uh this is one of the joys of working from home and not going into the office yeah Jay, you can't go to you can't go to work with your dragon ball z blanket no am i you could but i mean who knows what kind of uh message that would give off brb I don't think there'd be much camaraderie, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things about, um, you know, American business is that it's so easy as an overseas person to you. First of all, you can buy property in America, so you can do a rental business, you can buy land or you can just start an LLC and now you have essentially, uh, an American entity. So it kind of gives you the same access your business as having an American citizenship. So, uh, yeah, if you did want to be in the, do business in the U S it's very, very easy to get, you know, an LLC as a, an overseas, uh, person. So yeah, Isaac was asking, um, if malicious store is based in the USA or India and it doesn't look like, uh, an answer was given. So we'll just move on from that. Um, so Isaac also says funnel all the dropshipping expenses through credit cards. One of the best things about this business model. Yes, absolutely. Like I said, there's American express cards where you can get, uh, four X points on advertising chase Inc. You get three X, you know, capital one, uh, spark business, 2% cash back. So there's really no reason to not use credit cards if you can get them because it's just, it's free money and you just have to be responsible. So, Joe and I are not afraid to tell people the real deal and you know, it's, it's on you to be responsible to not incur debt and to just, uh, you know, use these things to your advantage as Joe once again, wraps himself up in his Dragon Ball Z blanket and, uh, and takes a seat and you didn't hear any of that. What's up? No, I heard it. I heard it. Cause, uh, we're on, the, <laughs> we're on in the next room. So, Oh, nice. I heard most of it. Nice. Um, so yeah, I was just talking about credit cards and uh, how it's a it's a good thing, and that you know people got to get the real deal, and then they can they can decide for themselves. That's not our place, and you know maybe if we were more strict, we would have three hundred million dollars. <laughs> maybe, maybe if we were older. Yeah, in another twenty eight years. It takes time. I mean, look, building wealth takes time. That's I feel like that's the. No matter how no matter how quick you're doing it, time is one of the uh, the factors at play. If it takes 28 years to get one million. How many years does it take to get 300 million? You're the engineer. I don't know. You do the math. A little bit less than 900 years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Isaac asked, "Do you guys have a joint bank account?" Well, we have businesses together that have bank accounts so, the so yeah yes yes uh aaron one of our elite fleet students says you guys ever think about getting into airbnb yes we've thought about it and uh we got you know we've gone down that 
path, gone and looked at some houses, but thank God we didn't do that because, uh, you know, COVID happened uh, a few months after. So I'm not opposed to doing it again um, because I don't think, you know, we already, we already kind of had that black swan event of like air people stopping to travel and stuff. So I think now having a property and doing Airbnb on it is probably a safer bet than renting it because <clears throat> I mean, now we're seeing, you know, the government can say, Hey, these people don't have to pay rent and it totally screws over the landlord, not realizing that the majority of people that own most people don't realize the majority of landlords are like regular people. You know, they only have one or two properties to their name. So I think uh, Airbnb right now is probably a better, a better bet for producing income for your property than renting it. I don't know all the details on that, like forbearance thing. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can get away with not paying like period. I think. I don't, I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know if it's that way everywhere. I feel like it's on a state-by-state state basis, no? I don't think so. But, I mean, I was talking with um, our friend that owns the apartment building. Mm-hmm. And he said that he only had one person that, like, wasn't paying. So he, he worked out. It worked out good for him. But he knew someone else that uh, – or, like, his brother also has an apartment building. And he had multiple people that just weren't paying rent. And even – um. Our cousin owns a rental property. He talked about that. How he told me, you know, one of his people weren't paying rent. So, uh, yeah, our friend, our friend's brother, basically said, "All right, if you're not going to pay rent, I'm going to move someone else in, and you're going to have a roommate." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's ways to kind of get around it, but it's yeah, it's a it's a sketchy situation, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to the Airbnb model, but. It's just a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much debt for me. When we can, you know, we're we're doing crazy things with the land, Joe. We're doing crazy things with the drop shipping. Like I said, we sold, you know, a, a random content site for thirty thousand dollars. We haven't touched like. It's just it's too easy to create equity right now, to need to go get a mortgage and, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, we might buy some rentals in in the future. Uh... We just for the next five years, I feel like, or I guess three to five years, I feel like we have enough on our plates. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Corbin White, love it. I actually met Corbin at uh, the event the other week. Oh yeah, one of our years. Yeah. So, shout out Corbin. Hope we're doing well. Our friend uh, and a Leafly member Gia says, "Are you guys in the crypto space?" at all no um again i'm not not necessarily opposed to it i feel like a lot of people definitely get burned with it some people make a lot of money but you know at the same time it's a whole we got to focus on the things that we know are working for us so that's a total too much of a different direction yeah i have some crypto but i'm not like a, a shitcoin person <laughs> I've I've allocated some uh you know some capital into just basic investment stuff. I would only really buy Bitcoin or <clears throat> Ethereum personally. Um uh, yeah, so 
Did you guys ever have issues with Google Merchant Center and ad account bans? I feel like they're suspending accounts really easily nowadays. Millionaire Oasis. Uh, they've always been doing that. I've Every single store we've ever made, usually the Merchant Center account gets suspended out the gate. And it's I haven't seen anyone who wasn't able to work past that. <clears throat> usually, back in the day, you used to be able to call them and say, hey, why am I suspended? Or... Like I said, I think they do it a lot of the time just for no reason, just to kind of like as like a, a vibe check almost. Um, but yeah, if you just contact them and you ask them about it, I haven't seen any of our students not be able to overcome it. So you should expect it and uh, yeah, get, get through it. Um, Daniel Call Hill said, I already have an affiliate site, WordPress, that ranks for lots of product roundups and links to Amazon. Wouldn't it be easier for me to just sell dropship items on Amazon versus privately? Well, I, I would say it depends on, number one, how expensive the items are. You know, there's a certain probably, probably price uh, sweet spot for Amazon where, you know, say it's like 10 to 100 $200. I would just do FBA. I, I wouldn't drop ship that stuff on my own. I feel like it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a really good idea if you can private label some of that stuff on Amazon. Um, yeah, one of our one of our uh, well, esteemed. Is that what he means? Wouldn't it be easier for me to just sell drop ship items on Amazon versus privately? Yeah, I think that's what he means. Like make his own FBA product? I think so. Well, I guess he's, he's obviously implying that he would be selling the product on Amazon. Whether it's drop shipped or FBA, I don't know. But yes, you should sell the product on Amazon if it's proven that people are buying it there and it's not like thousands of dollars where the 15, yeah. the 15% fee is going to crush you or whatever yeah i mean in fact this is probably the only way we'd ever get into fba nowadays is if we just had say like a content site that was just dominating for a particular keyword and we're selling a whole bunch of one product because at that point we already have we already have the exact consumer data and we already have the traffic so yeah it's it would be you know doing fba is a bit of a capital capital expense but typically people do fba they're doing spreadsheets, they're doing numbers. That's all fake, stupid stuff because you don't actually know internally what's going on. With this, you do because you the traffic is coming to you. It's your traffic. You're sending it out to a particular product on Amazon and you're seeing how it's actually selling for you. So that's the only time I'd ever be open to doing that. And yeah, it has to be in the right um, price range. If you're selling something that's like $1,000, then usually Amazon is not the best for it, but you could... Again, theoretically, if you're doing like a content site and you're selling something that's a thousand dollars on Amazon or you know wherever you're sending people, you can still get that product, make your own. You could put it on Amazon. You could put it everywhere because it's your product. So, uh, yeah, he said I haven't gotten into drop shipping yet, just affiliate. But I know there's a lot of people spin up a new Shopify site and sell it there instead. But yeah, I'm asking if it's worth the fee to just do Amazon. Well, yeah, I mean, Amazon is the biggest marketplace in the uh, 
yeah. in the country. So if you have a product, you can make, you should make a Shopify store for it. You want to be everywhere if it's your product. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming, you know, if it's within like 10 to $200, should have some good margin on it. Shouldn't be too big of a hassle to send to Amazon. And yes, it's worth yeah. the fee. We like to drop ship stuff that is not, you know, usually sold on Amazon. At least it's not like a high sales rank thing. You know, it's maybe things that have like a one-off listing, but things that people don't typically buy on Amazon is what we like to drop ship. Facts. Uh, Aaron said, yeah, Airbnb has way better net margins. I want to get into it eventually. What are your favorite business books? Not mindset related. Hey, I mean, <laughs> millionaire fast lane's good. Richest man in Babylon is good. I don't know. You're in the course. So that's, that's the best book you can read right there is, uh, our content. Yeah. Just, uh, uh I guess there's really so I feel like all business books if it's in the uh in like the paper paperback form or whatever I feel like they're all mindset related to to some extent because it's very rare to be able to to glean a whole step-by-step business model from a book. I feel like they're just not yeah. formatted that way and I feel like online courses are really where you have to to turn to to get that step-by-step stuff so you know, when we if we were to start a new business, uh, something that we're totally not familiar with, we would buy a course or something that's very specific to that, or multiple courses that are very specific to that. There's really usually not a book that you can find. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, Joe. Even like, like I uh, what the hell is the Robert Kiyosaki book? Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's not a mindset book per se, but it's a mind framing book because it teaches you how to look at. Wealth in a particular, it just it frames your mind in a certain way. So yeah, like paperback books or books in general are meant to just cover a wide audience because you want to sell a lot of books, you want to make a lot of money that way. Um, if you put out a book with like every single step written out on how to do a particular business model, <laughs> no one would really buy it. So plus, it's gonna get it's gonna get outdated pretty quickly. Yeah, it's just like a funnel. You know, you have a a book you have books at the top they're really cheap they're really you know broad information for the masses and then you got to keep working down until you find the exact thing you want to do and then you just work with that person directly you buy their course whatever and that's like going to be the most specific precise information you can't get like super specific information necessarily from a book majority of the time yeah unless it's a textbook maybe we'll go on sabbatical and uh put out a textbook <laughs> the online asset textbook. <laughs> um, Isaac, I just got a supplier. Margins are around 80 to 100%. Products look good too. Have you ever had margins this good? Their products sell for around 50 to 100 USD. Um, I'm assuming you mean 40 to 50% margin? Because uh, 100% margin would be like it's free. Yeah. I think he's, but, he's trying to say like it, you make as much as you sell it for or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would call that a 40 to 50. Uh, yeah, certainly we've, we've had margins like that. It probably doesn't cover shipping though. So that'll get slapped down to maybe 30%. 
uh, yeah, but that, that's still a very good margin, and it's you know, you still got to be weary of the other things like uh, competitors and you know, cost per click. So, yeah, I mean, I've had products with really good margins, but we just can't sell them because hundreds of other people sell them. So that's uh, that's that. Mike Lopez, goats going live. Yes, sir. It's like a petting zoo in here. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's about it, Joe. Yeah. I, I, I have a friend. Uh, he's always talking to me about, like, wanting to start, like, a WordPress site. And he's, like, into tech. And uh, he's always, like, he, 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 he's, like, listened to, like, different ways on how to start an affiliate blog and stuff like that. But, again, his, his I guess his career is in tech and coding and things like that so he never starts it because he's always trying to formulate a way to like oh i want to build it on this platform and then like integrate the wordpress on this side of it and like he's always trying to do some like reverse thing instead of just like actually starting it and like just installing wordpress on a domain <laughs> it's like this has been gone we've been talking about this for like a year plus and he's always like yeah i think i'm gonna use what is He's uh, yeah. I think I can get a boost in performance if I use Next.js or something, and I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah. Putting the cart before the horse. That's about it. That's about it. Just download WordPress. Just get over it. And I, ironically, I was talking with someone yesterday, and they're like, "Yeah, I can never get into any of this stuff because like I'm so bad with tech and coding." And I'm like, "We don't. We don't do any of that." So there is a bit of a learning curve for WordPress, I will say. Um, but I would say like a month or two. Like it's not like you have to, you know, learn JavaScript or something. Like it's relatively easy once you get the hang of it. You don't yeah. need to be tech savvy. No, it's just funny because you have the one end people are like, I'm, I'm not tech savvy. I can't do it. And then the tech savvy people are like, I want to do it this way. And then they never do it. Yeah. So yeah, you got to yeah. do it. Definitely. All right. Well, we've gone over. It's over. It's over an hour and twenty minutes at this point. So let's uh let's cut this off here. I hear babies screaming. Yep. Things yeah. happening. So uh, why don't we get back to our regularly scheduled programming? Um, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on the stream. I know we haven't been as active, but hopefully uh, we'll be more active now. Yeah, it depends if you guys tune in because I want to talk. Oh, about we can't we can't talk about this stuff anymore, Joe. Just drop shipping, just niches. Yeah, every day. Next episode, the five best drop shipping niches that you have to do right now. Otherwise, you won't make any money. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, let's see. All right, that's what we're let's gonna go do. All right, I bet we're gonna get like the 50, 60 viewers at a time. Hell yeah! And then we'll just talk about financial advice all right thank you guys um if you want to learn more about dropshipping how we make money online how we generate a portfolio equity online build assets online.com slash playbook sign up watch it and dig it easy thanks for listening to the build assets online podcast 
if you've enjoyed the show, don't forget, subscribe, share, and leave us a rating on whatever platform you might be listening from. And if you're ready to learn how to build your own online business portfolio, start now by visiting buildassetsonline.com slash playbook. We'll see you in the next episode.